have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, Hello, welcome back to the podcast. My name's Imogen, your host. Today's episode is episode three, and today's episode is going to be all about my experience with endometriosis, fertility, and of course, periods. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, keep listening. Still seems to be very much taboo, even though a lot of people suffer with their periods. Um, a lot of people experience periods, so it shouldn't be taboo, um, but it still is. So I'm going to be chatting to you a little bit about my story, um, what I've learnt with my chronic illness, endometriosis, and hopefully it will help you if you may be suffering from some of these symptoms or you know somebody with endometriosis or you may have PCOS um, and find this interesting because I'm going to touch upon PCOS a little bit on this podcast. So stick around if you're interested in this kind of health talk. And I'm also going to be doing another episode on this, a part two, which is going to go more in depth into things that helped me personally with my endometriosis symptoms um, and things that I put in place that really make a difference in the quality of my life. So firstly, if you've clicked on this podcast and you aren't actually aware of what endometriosis is or PCOS is, um, then I'm just going to give you a little bit of a a, uh, description. I found these from the World Health Organization and the NHS as well. So these are the um, proper current definitions for both conditions. Um, So first of all, endometriosis affects um, at least one in 10. And if you actually think about this from a a class point of view, when I was in class, I had probably about 35 people in my class. And um, if you were to split that into the genders, people who were assigned female at birth, um, there was roughly about half, um, half and half. So if we're looking at from that point of view, out of a class of 30, at least one to two of those would be unknowingly suffering from endometriosis, or maybe they haven't actually been suffering yet, and later on in life, their symptoms start to progress, and they start to become more aware of it as their periods go on and on. Endometriosis is a long-term health condition where tissue similar to the lining of the womb grows in other places such as the ovaries and fallopian tubes. Endometriosis can cause infertility. Um, And according to the World Health Organization, 3.4% worldwide suffer from PCOS and the definition of PCOS is it's it's a health condition which affects how the ovaries work. The symptoms of polycystic ovary syndrome, syndrome include irregular periods, facial hair, difficulty getting pregnant. Um, but obviously you might not have all of these symptoms and then also might be more symptoms than those listed as well. The main treatment for polycystic ovary syndrome is medicines for things like hair growth and irregular periods. Keeping a healthy weight also helps. Um, especially in terms of fertility, is not clear what causes polycystic ovary syndrome, but it's thought to be linked to hormonal imbalances. You can actually have PCOS and endometriosis, but quite often endometriosis, sorry, PCOS is misdiagnosed and they 
actually might have endometriosis. That is something that um, was the case for me and it was something the case for the case with my sister as well. Even though we have an extensive family history of endometriosis in our family. Um, a lot of the women in our family do suffer with endometriosis. Growing up, I was I was aware, uh, but I didn't know how, I didn't know, obviously, the, in the in-depth, in-depths of endometriosis until I really started suffering and I was at um, my period age. So, uh, those are the definitions. I'm going to talk to you about my particular symptoms. Um, sorry if I've missed any off this list. I've quickly gathered some of my um, notes. I've got so many notes on endometriosis from over the years, um, but these are the symptoms that I can think of. Uh, so, one of the big ones that really, really caused me aggro was nerve pain in my legs. And not just nerve pain in my legs, it was like, they, I'll, I'll try and describe it to you. It's basically a feeling, a loss of feet, almost like a loss of feeling in your legs. They feel really numb and heavy. Um, and then I'd get shooting and stabbing pains up and down my legs. Um, and I'd the only thing that would help it would be to rest my legs, put them put them up, and uh, put hot water bottles all over my legs to try and um, try and get rid of it. It didn't actually that didn't actually get rid of it. It just kind of soothed me whilst whilst I was experiencing the pain. Um, what actually helped me was just going to bed and sleeping, and then quite often the next day I'd wake up and the leg pain would be gone. Um, th that's a really interesting one actually because I don't actually think that's like one of the main symptoms that's listed anywhere I don't even think it's listed on the NHS website I could be wrong but that was one thing that I experienced personally and I didn't really hear about it I didn't hear any girls talking about it I didn't hear of it being on any websites um, and so I actually didn't, re didn't realise um, until later on down the line, whether that was actually even connected to my endometriosis. Um, now I I understand that um, I understand the science behind your nerve endings and and etc. And you do have a lot of nerve endings in your stomach that end up going down your legs. So it does make sense if there is some endometriosis stuck over your some of your nerves. Um, then that would obviously cause. Um, nerve damage and pain in the nerves. Other symptoms for me over the years have included uh, painful ovulation, painful periods, um, the, the type of pain that is very, very severe, rolling around on the floor in pain, um, that, that kind of level of pain. But I also do want to stress that pain tolerance is completely individual as well. So my pain that I'm experiencing is could be could be completely different to somebody else's. For example, my sister also has has been diagnosed with endometriosis as well, but her pain could be completely different to mine and vice versa. Um, pain tolerance is very very different to different individuals. And endometriosis is a very, very complex condition. There still needs to be so much research done into endometriosis, and I would I would say that there's there's definitely not enough money being pumped into endometriosis, especially when you think of the figures of one in 10 women suffer with it, at least. Um, there's probably a lot of women that have endometriosis and haven't even been diagnosed as well, because 
<laughs> I'll talk about my diagnosis later on, but di- getting diagnosed for endometriosis is a nightmare. It takes way too long um, in my ex- my experience and my opinion. And it's not like a one-size-fits-all condition either. Everybody experiences different symptoms. The level of pain is different. Um, And also there's there's a scale that the UK uses and there's also a scale that America uses. In the UK, the majority of doctors that I've dealt with use the mild, moderate and severe, I think the top one is, or extensive. They either say severe or extensive. Um, and it's basically in stages, um, but in America, it's a lot more common for them to give you a stage for one to five, stage one being the mild endometriosis and stage five being the extensive, extreme, severe endometriosis. Stage one is actually minimal, stage two is mild, stage three is moderate and stage four is severe. So stage one, there are a few small implants and small wounds or lesions. They can be found in your on your organs or the tissue lining your lining your pelvis or abdomen. There's little to no scar tissue. Stage scar tissue is basically um, when the endometriums start attaching themselves to different parts of your body. They basically grow over time. They just they because they get so big uh, they end up causing scar tissue where the endometriosis is found. Um, Stage two is basically slightly more implants than stage one. They're also deeper in the tissue and there may be some some scar tissue. Stage three um, is deep implants. You may also have small cysts on one or both ovaries and thick bands of scar tissue called adhesions. Um, stage four or severe, this is the most widespread. You have many deep implants and thick adhesions. There are also large cysts on one or both ovaries. So the difference between the small and large cysts, um, doctors actually measure them if you have surgery or on ultrasounds, they can be measured. And to put it into perspective, I was diagnosed with moderate um, stage three endometriosis and some of the cysts, I believe they were around eight to 10 millimeters big. But I have heard people with stage four or severe endometriosis to have golf ball style, not style, sorry, golf ball size uh, growths and larger, which just absolutely blows my mind. Um, And you can understand why it's such a painful condition and a deliberating condition because of the growths that just continue growing. The way I see it is I imagine just a big monster inside me just growing and growing and growing. That's the only way I can just visualize it because it's not gonna be some cute little princess cartoon image visionary. It's gonna be something that's just ugly and mean and just causing aggro. (laughs) 
Right, I know I keep on going down little tangents, um, so I will get back to the symptoms list. Um, so we had nerve pain in the legs, painful ovulation, painful periods, pain during sex, pain after sex, groin pain, vaginal pain, dragging sensations, like, you know the dragging sensation that you would normally get on your period? It's that, but it literally feels like there's a gremlin inside just pulling and pulling. Um, extreme fatigue is also uh, a symptom and it's some a symptom that actually gets overlooked as well especially by doctors um endometriosis is a very very tiring condition um painful urination and painful urination is is not a blanket symptom either because i had painful urination because i had endometriosis on my bladder which makes sense but some people might not have painful urination and that might be due to the fact that they don't have endometriosis tissue that's formed um, near their bladder. And the last one uh, is joint pain as well. Uh, but that also could be, it's difficult to say which ones are endometriosis as well because you do get put on quite a lot of strong medication. So things like joint, joint pain could be a consequence of medication that I've had to be put on in the past. Okay, now I've um, kind of discussed the definitions of endometriosis and PCOS. I'm going to touch upon my story um, and hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully it's helpful if you do have endometriosis, you might be able to relate to it or maybe you do have some of these symptoms and you're thinking potentially you could have endometriosis and you haven't yet got a diagnosis. So starting back in the beginning when I was a teenager, I started my period pretty late compared to a lot of my friends. I think I was just I was I was either at the end of my thirteenth birthday or I was ju I'd just turned fourteen, um, and I remember a lot of girls. Uh, are you in like year eight then? I think I was in at the end of year eight. 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah, that would make sense, I was about 13, 14, and I remember a lot of the girls um, that I went to school with started in year seven and the start of year eight, so I was probably middle of the road slash quite late with my periods, um, and from the get-go, I had extremely painful periods, um, and I just kind of thought that was normal, I thought what I experienced was normal, um, to the point where, I'll give you an example, to the point where I tried to put in tampons when I'd had quite a few periods and I was getting to know my body a little bit more and obviously when you're in school, if you're doing things like swimming, you need to um, kind of get to grips with um, using tampons because let's face it, pads are just not, don't feel very secure, especially when you do an exercise and swimming. Um, so, I remember the first time I tried to put in a tampon and I basically fainted and my mom ran into the bathroom and I still have this vivid memory of it happening as well because it was so traumatic. You just imagine a young female girl who's not, not long started a period and she's about to put in a tampon. Oh God, it was just, oh, nearly, nearly knocked the mic over because I was reminiscing of that horrible memory. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was kind of one of my first traumatic memories with my period, and 
Um, it gradually just got worse and worse as the years went on and it got to a point when I was about 18, I think. Uh, I, well, first of all, I did actually get put on the pill when I was pretty young. I think I started go, I started the pill when I was 14 and I was on the pill until I was about 18. So I was on the pill for four years and I, now looking back, I wish that I was, I wish that I didn't go on the pill for that long. I really, really do wish that because I don't think as a 14 year old girl, you have the knowledge and education to be able to consider things properly. Um, especially because hormonal treatment is not just something to be taken lightly. It, it impacts you. If you're not having periods for so long, there's something biologically not right about that. And now I have kind of the information now that I know now, I have kind of gone the other way and I'm really against taking hormonal treatments, which some people probably think, well, that's quite idiotic because that's the only real treatment that you, that you can get for endometriosis right now. Um, but I just, I just really don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like how it affects my mental health. Um, if you followed me a while, you probably know that I have suffered with my mental health for a number of years and taking, taking contraceptives is just throwing something into the mix unnecessarily, unnecessarily. Uh, so yeah, so from 14 to 18, I was on the pill. Then by 19, I uh, started working on the Jeremy Cow show. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this before or if you're a new kind of follower over the last year or, or two, you probably won't know this. I used to work in TV production and one of my first TV runner jobs was working for ITV on the Jeremy Cow show. Uh, now looking back, I actually... I don't hate that I did it, but I really, my morals did not align with that show at all. But it was a foot in the door. It was, it was, um, I gained some valuable experience and some of the people that I worked with on that show were absolutely amazing. Some of my managers, the other runners that I was working with was incredible. Like the whole team was incredible. I did enjoy it, uh, but the actual show element just didn't really fit in with my morals. I just felt like it was a little bit zoo-like. You're putting people on the stage that are not all right mentally, and I don't think that's morally right. But anyway, we're going down a massive tangent now. Let's go back to the periods. <laughs> so um, while I was on uh, the Jeremy Kyle show, I my periods were getting worse and worse and something that I didn't realize at the time alcohol is a huge factor that is makes makes endometriosis even worse alcohol and well personally for me some people will disagree with me on this one but personally for me alcohol is a real real negative effect has a negative effect on my endometriosis um, so obviously I was a 19 year old girl drinking a lot, partying, just enjoying myself and I was had this really cool job, I was really enjoying myself, meeting new people, that kind of thing and at this time I was working on the audience team and I was on my period and I had the most horrific pain, like I'm not talking about just standard cramps, I could barely walk, I could barely stand up, they were that 
that painful. So I ended up um, calling the hospital and I think, I, I don't know if 111 was a thing then, I can't remember actually, but I ended up getting in, t- in touch with the doctor and I had to go to hospital. My dad ended up coming to pick me up, drove me to hospital and I he, I have visions of me in the car. I literally had to, I had to put the seat down so it was almost lying down and I was just rolling left to right in agony and I just remember my dad looking at me thinking, what is wrong with her? What is wrong with this girl? Like, to be in this much pain, he just couldn't wrap his head around it. So then I ended up getting to the uh, hospital um, after hours and days of arguing, debating. They ended up keeping me in. They wanted to send me home numerous times and just send me home with paracetamol and ibuprofen, which is just absolutely fucking ludicrous because if you'd have seen me you would have you would have quite clearly known that this girl needs medical urgent attention nobody should be in that pain and be sent home with paracetamol and ibuprofen it's just a joke an absolute joke um and that's not me slagging the nhs off by the way i absolutely love the nhs i've had to rely on the nhs for countless years um with my chronic illness and some of the nurses that I have met over the last couple of years have just been absolutely incredible like I take my hat off to people in the in the endometriosis sorry not the endometriosis in the hospital um but I do think there is a chronic problem a system a systematic problem uh with our well, to be honest, I actually think it's worldwide. I don't even just think it's in the UK. I think it's a worldwide problem with how we um, treat women for reproductive problems, etc., etc. Um, because it just takes far too long to get a diagnosis. It takes far too long to get tests, that kind of thing. Um, and it takes far too long for people to actually listen to you and get your voice heard. And I wasn't being taken seriously, um, even though I knew I had all these people in my family with endometriosis, uh, they just weren't taking it seriously until basically one of the consultants that was high up ended up uh, suggesting it could be uh, appendicitis. And if you don't know about appendicitis, appendicitis you need urgent medical uh, help with it and you need to get it removed as soon as possible so they took me in for surgery because they suspected it to be that and they they basically had a gynecologist pop into the surgery had a little bit of a look decided there wasn't any gyne problems and away I go so I they removed my appendix anyway because it was inflamed um, and there was quite a lot of liquid um, and blood, excess blood in my cavity. So they ended up removing that and um, basically sent me on my way kind of thing. And I remember after the surgery, I was walking through the hallway and one of the senior consultants walked past me and apologised because she said... I'm really sorry. We should we should have listened to you basically and gone ahead with the surgery without you having to fight your corner, uh, which I appreciated. I appreciated the fact that she kind of owned up 
owned up on behalf of the team. Um, and then after that, I kind of just just thought, well, I haven't been diagnosed. I've been sent away. They've said that I haven't got endometriosis uh, because the gynecologist popped in and had a quick look. Um, which again is something, it's, it's quite difficult because a lot of gynecologists are not actually experienced with endometriosis. You have to really fight to see the more experienced um, consultants uh, who know a lot more in how to deal with endometriosis and how to spot it as well. So then I had um, months and months go past uh, and it, it, it got a little bit better for a period, a short period of time and then it got worse, it gradually got worse and worse and worse to the point where it was affecting my quality of life, it was affecting my jobs, um, it was affecting everything and then I just had enough so I went back to the doctor tried to get more doctors to listen to me and it was a case of back and forth until I actually found a female doctor in Salford who listened to me and she was amazing. She she suspected that I was endometriosis from everything that I told her, from my previous history, from the surgery I had in 2013 and she pushed and fought my corner and she basically put me forward to go to Salford Hospital in Manchester. And at Salford Hospital, I had to go through all of the necessary tests and consultations before I would get a diagnostic laparoscopy, which is what they use to diagnose endometriosis. So I met with one of the gynecologists there and I'm going to talk to you about what happened next. was a very traumatic consultation. I thought I was going in there for one thing and I ended up coming out very traumatized. So that is the end of part one, the major downsides of chronic illness. Doctors failed me. Part two will be available on all streaming platforms as of next week, next Monday at 6am. So stay tuned. If this podcast has helped you in any way, I would really, really appreciate it if you could share it to your Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media you use. It really, really does help my podcast out and it helps the platforms push it out there to more people so it gets listened to more, which would be absolutely amazing. And I really, really appreciate you listening to I will see you next week for part two. Bye.